This is Learn From Others, where we interview a cross-section of successful individuals so you can learn from their experiences, achievements, and even their mistakes. We ask four questions that will educate and inspire. Greg Stanley will be your guide as we join our guests on a journey from adolescent daydreaming to success in today's world. Join us on this adventure as we learn from others together. Welcome to Learn From Others, where we help others succeed by sharing success. I'm very excited to introduce our special guest, Bill Goodwin. Bill, thank you for taking us on your career journey today. Oh, I'm glad to be here, and thank you for uh, including me. Yeah, no problem. Well, before we find out what you're actually doing today, let's start at the very beginning. And could you please tell us, what did you want to be when you grew up? Well, that's a great question. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, and in fairness and honesty, it was some sort of art, because uh, all my life, I in high school, uh, I took art classes as part of our curriculum, and that was a career path almost from go. I didn't know what form that would take, whether I wanted to be like a fine artist, although uh, all the responsible adults in my life uh, recommended against it, Right. Uh, the, the classic starving artist. Um, <laughs> but with some counseling and some guidance, you know, frankly, my mother raised the four of us largely on our own on her own and uh she didn't really have much of a view on it but she knew or encouraged my 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 artwork you know school counseling and research i thought i wanted to be i didn't want to be a fine artist but i wanted to illustrate so i went to school for medical illustration um i had an gray's anatomy one of my favorite books (laughs) there you go exactly and you know back then um it was unusual, but uh, I just had an interest in science and medicine and uh, did well in those courses, so that just seemed like a logical path. You know, what's funny is there is, I I believe it's Trivial Pursuit, there is a question, and the question relates to this book has like 1,106 illustrations, and what is it? And I guess Grey's Anatomy, and I blew the mind of everybody else at that party because I couldn't believe I knew the answer to that question. <laughs> <laughs> right, most people wouldn't th- wouldn't think because of the book related to the to the series. I was an aspiring artist as well, and so I had it as a reference guide, you know, no, and it had didn't. you know all sorts of different things as a you know because you just basically build up your your reference books, you know, and and that was one that was suggested by someone. I wanted to become a comic book artist, and so they said you uh, got to learn the muscle structure, you know. So right, right, and I did have the same book. Um, but, but it's funny now because most people don't know the context for the title of that TV show, right? Right. Um, but yeah, th- when I went to college, uh, there weren't many schools that offered medical illustration. And I applied to multiple schools. And it's funny because as soon as I got, you said you wanted to be a comic book artist. All the cool kids wanted to do that too. Um, <laughs> well, I was the exception. I wasn't the cool kid. <laughs> <laughs> I was a nerd. Obviously, the sciences and, and drawing. Um, you know, my sketchbooks tended to be of, you know, insects, bugs, snakes, you know, but real realistic illustrations. I don't know why that was something I was fascinated by, but all the cool kids when I got to college were drawing much more interesting stuff. In fact, Terry Montemore, my creative director, who's been with us for, since we started out in our first year, uh, 22 years ago, he's a phenomenal artist and uh, a lot of work for you know comic comics like Marvel and stuff like that. They were a client for a long time. Really, awesome. Yeah, yeah. We've uh, 
One of our first clients back then was FLIR, which is a trading card company right over the bridge here in uh, Mount Laurel, New Jersey. And they did, uh, you know, they had the Marvel license. We did, you know, they had DC too. So we did all kinds of stuff, Batman, uh, the movies when those came out, and a ton of Marvel stuff with them. Right, Um, right. Yeah, and Toy Biz was a client, which, you know, probably know if you're a comic book geek, good. <laughs> you know, division of uh, of Marvel. I got to meet Stan Lee. Oh, that's um, cool. Avi Arad, who, you know, created um, Toy Biz, uh, and now is a producer at in the, in the Marvel division at Sony. Yeah, that's huge. Well, I know we're kind of alluding to what you do today, but before we get to that, what was your first actual job? Well, it depends how you define a job, I guess. Um, <laughs> you know, as I alluded to, my, my mom raised the four of us largely on her own, and my, my you know, parents were divorced. My mom was actually married and divorced multiple times. Um, and I had an interesting background because my father and then my stepfather were um, blue collar guys and mm-hmm. you know uh, I was cutting lawns from an early age you know the shoveling snow guy um, but my first I guess what you would call real job um, besides you know landscaping lawn care mm-hmm. was uh, working for Heckinger's which I don't know if you wait let me guess Heckinger's. that that sounds like a department store similar similar uh it was it was a home depot before home depot wow um, okay so it was a east coast chain of you know lumber yards and hardware stores with an outdoor center and i worked there from the time i was able to work on paper 16 until i got through college 22 wow and it was just an amazing job it, it, i've learned you know since then i can you know fix almost anything uh, around the house, and and I enjoy you know home improvement projects, and I you know it's just an education in itself. So that was my first real job. There was others, you know, delivering newspapers, of course. Right, right. Uh, cutting any any way you could to make some money to be able to go see a movie, go do something with your buddies, and not be the guy who can't because he doesn't have any money. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Well, now, one question I like to ask usually is what was your favorite object or, or su- subject in school? And I'm, was it art or was it biology based on? That's, that's the weird thing. I'd have, to, I'd have to question that. I think art because it was like a class where it was free form and a lot of my friends, my tightest friends in high school were in that class. Um, I was a, I went to a Catholic school that was huge um, here in the Philadelphia area. There were 864 kids in my class wow. when I graduated. You know, three over 3,000 kids in the school. Um, so if there were 25, 30 kids in the art class, you can imagine some of that talent in that room is incredible. One of the guys, Charlie Swope, one of my closest friends then, is a phenomenal illustrator and product designer now. All the kids in that class were really, really good. So I enjoyed that for that angle. But I, I got to be honest with you, I loved, I, I did love the sciences. So biology was was one of my favorite classes as well. So, and this is getting a little nerdy on you, but what was the first illustration you did as a kid? I'm guessing it was like a grasshopper or something, where you were like, "That's it, I nailed it. The proportions are right," and you really like felt <laughs> felt good about it. Do you remember yeah. that? 
I do. I do. Actually, it's funny you should ask, but I, you, I'm, I, I've started out. Most of the things I used to draw, like any kid, was you know cars. Um, I was a, a bit of a gearhead. Glad to hear that. Early. I didn't know that. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. Um, I loved drawing cars, and then uh, then I I can remember. I saw a cobweb with like web drops on it, like mm-hmm. uh, dew drops with a spider in the middle of it. And I just sat on the porch of our house and obsessed over drawing that spider, that web and everything in the background. Mm. And uh, I think I was probably my son's age. He's, he's 14. So it was just, you know, coming out of middle school, going, getting ready to go to high school. And started to get really into reality, like, mm-hmm. you know, detailed drawing. That would be a hard drawing to do because I always had trouble with the reflective light uh, dewdrop. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's not easy. No, and what, what really started to get, uh, I'm a little uh, obsessive, so I, I just get a little too into the minutiae. But that's what, <laughs> I think that that's what spurred the interest in medical illustration because back then you know this is i'm old this is before computers mm-hmm. um you know and even when i graduated college uh macintosh had not started to dominate as a tool uh everything was hand drawn hand done so is there a book we can get at the library that has your medical illustrations in them now to be honest with you no because i pivoted in college okay so, in while in school, I went to a liberal arts college, but back then it was called Beaver College. Um, <clears throat> I knew I wanted a liberal arts background, and again, you know, medical illustration as a major was, you know, there weren't many schools that offered it. Right. Um, so I went to school there. I started classes. Um, I uh, really fell in love with graphic design, which even in art school. Uh, in high school, you really didn't delve much into, but we had some phenomenal instructors and a really good uh, gallery where we had a lot of talent come in and share their work. And at that point, um, that's when I realized, you know, illustration as an as a tool for a graphic designer would be even more fun and less limited. Right, um, right. I did get to go, you know, I was dating a girl who was a physical therapist and a physical therapy major. And, you know, that's a similar path to medical illustration. But, you know, medical illustrators spend a lot of time in the lab. Mm-hmm. And I knew I didn't want to do that. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that was a big part of it. Okay. All right, cool. So we know what you wanted to be when you grew up and your first job. So if you would, tell us what you do today. I, I'm a designer. Uh, I have a small graphic design studio that we started, you know, 22 years ago in my living room. And we do a wide range of pretty cool stuff. And so I'm told because you start to take for granted or find it a bit routine. You know, we, we've got some great clients. I know for my day job, it's at Topps Bazooka Candy Brands, and you guys designed the Ring Pop Gummy Gems bag, which is hitting stores as we speak. What are some other examples? Uh, we've done uh, work in the toy industry for, uh, I used to work at Tyco Toys, um, which is now a division of Mattel. They were acquired in the mid to late 90s. Uh, I was an art director there. And I set up one of the first Mac networks on the East Coast for 
Tyco to unify their and digitize their eight offices worldwide and their production facilities in China. So when I when I left Tyco, you know, we, we started working with some really cool toy companies. So first client was the Tops company, which as you said, uh, you're now employed by and that's a great group of people with great brands. And we've been working with their brands for 22 years. We do, you know, uh, a lot of package design and brand refresh work, ring pop, push pop, uh, bazooka, and so on. When one of my other first clients was Laramie, which makes super soakers. Mm-hmm. Yep. And a lot of people don't know that Larry Johnson, who created that, was like a NASA. He's another, you know, gadget guy. And uh, he had created that. We, we were working on packaging with him. Early on, then they got bought by Hasbro. Hasbro became a client. You know, we've worked on Nerf. We've worked on their licensed brands like uh, Star Wars, Batman, uh, so on. We've worked with Mattel, Spin Master. Uh, In fact, Spin Master, which is now the third largest toy company in the world, third or fourth, the three guys who started that started the year that we started out, and I was friends with them when it was just the three of them with one pop. Oh, wow. they, they've air hogs. They've since become a huge multi-billion-dollar company. Right. But, you know, Anton, Ben, and Ronan uh, remain friends uh, all these years later. Um, and then, yeah, so basically the toy industry, we had a lot of clients over the years. We still do a lot of toy work, uh, as well as – you know, if you imagine toys became interactive candy, which people probably remember a company, Cap Candy, which mm-hmm. is a division of Cap Toys, kind of created a category of interactive candy, um, which became novelty candy. And then, you know, with the novelty candy and candy, we work with some really great brands, again, including Tops. And that continues to expand today. There's so many candy slash toys out there. It's crazy. It is crazy. And, you know, despite what's happening with Toys R Us, the growth is just going to continue um, because people know how to look for what they're looking for and they like to discover new things. So really, uh, you know, toy industry is doing very well. You know, it's kind of grown. And now, you know, our focus on kids evolved into kids and family because really kids are influencers. I have four of my own, and I can tell you that most of the decisions we make as a family are collective uh, and collaborative. Uh, it's not like when I was a kid where you're told what to do, and that's it, or, you know, not ask. Right, right. So, you know, that grew over time, and then we decided to just start doing things that we like to do. So we now we're doing even, you know, we have... A client who's a brewery that's, you know, we've developed 20 brands. We created a, a brand with him and we actually, you know, raised money and built a brewery on Long Beach Island, New Jersey on the beach uh, two years ago. That's, oh, that's really cool. It was really cool. And, you know, he's a great guy. He's become a very dear friend, um, but literally a, a complete collaboration where he'll come up with an idea for a beer, he'll, you know, test and start creating it, we'll collaborate on an idea from the name and the story. Usually there's a story because of where we came up with the idea for the beer flavor. And then we create this whole, not just the can art, but really it's the story. And we've got 20 brands now at Ship Bottom. And uh, and it's fun because we're partners, we're equity partners 
in the brewery. Oh, that's neat. Yeah. Well, if you would, could you tell us a little bit how you went from college to starting your own design firm? What I think has worked for me is being inquisitive and curious and liking talking to people. Mm-hmm. So I think it's very interesting what you're doing. And, you know, I encourage my kids myself to do the same because you don't only know what you know and you mm-hmm. only know what you experience. But there are 7 billion people on the planet and they're all doing different things. So the more, <laughs> yeah. you know, more curious you are and the more, you know, interested in others, the more you learn. When I came out, I wasn't sure. In college, I, I, I liked so many different, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to focus on. So one of my professors had suggested, you know, freelancing first. Also, get a job at a printer so you can learn. This is before the web. This is right. before computers. Um, so you can learn print and understand, you know, how these things get produced. So what I did, I came out and I worked, went to work for an ad agency uh, locally here. Ironically, the agency was a Villanova grad who played basketball with Rolly Massimino. And most of the ads were, you know, for local businesses, large right. local businesses. But and you know, I got to meet Raleigh and, you know, now coach Jay Wright, who was, you know, my age, a kid, assistant coach. Mm-hmm. And I learned a ton in that job. And then at night I would work for a color separator, which is a pre-press, you know, before, you know, after projects are created and before they go to print, uh, they have to be processed and back then it was a very laborious tedious process but i would work from you know basically when i left the agency um work into the evening sometimes my shift was completely overnight but i learned printing (laughs) and i did that for a year and a half and it was huge because at the time this is before macintosh and before, you know, computers started to become such a powerful tool, uh, there was only one way to do digital work, and it was on a Cytex, which, you know, everybody has the stories of, like, when IBM was, this, you know, a computer was the size of a, a house. Um, right. Thing, <laughs> that's what this thing was, and I got to see how that worked. And so when the Mac came out just a few years later, I had an advantage because I, know how to, I knew how to use that system. Right. Um, and since, because I know how to learn you know, how to use print or create print, um, we're able to do a lot of different things uh, that a lot of agencies can't do. Sounds like you did quite a few things that became very beneficial as things evolved in the uh, design world, right? Yeah. And, and more than that, I, you know, it's just good fortune. But I think more than the experience in, in the hands-on part, which you can't, I'm not trying to diminish, it's the people that I met. So, right. Yep. And in each of those roles, you know, there's a group of people that have much more experience. And over time, that becomes your network of people you can lean on. It's not just your growth and experience, your confidence to try things. Um, so to your question, you know, I, I left the agency, went to work for a publisher, then the Macintosh came out. What was the, the moment in which you said, I'm going to hang out my own shingle, open my own shop? So I always had an interest in doing that and wanted to. Um, I've known people who, I had met people over time who had, and really uh, it appealed to me. Um, I knew that it was risky, and um, but I knew that it would be the only way I could do the things I wanted to do. Um, Right. So 
when I was at Tyco and we realized, you know, I had kind of been recruited to go to Tyco. A very good friend of mine that I went to college with was in a position there and knew what we had done with the systems at the publishing company. And we went over and set up a very similar system at Tyco Toys. And uh, while I was there, you know, I'm working internally and we're using outside resources like other design firms. And, uh, and I met a lot of them and that was really the tipping point. And I looked at two of our, you know, two of the guys I worked with and said, you know, why don't we do it? Why don't we do this? And we can basically take what we learned about this technology and, you know, lend that expertise as an addition to design. So we left, it was me and uh, two of my buddies from Tyco, and started a design firm in 1994. It was scary. <laughs> in 1994, <laughs> I, I, you know, I married my wife, we bought a house, I got a dog, and we started this design firm in my living room. And, uh, <laughs> but it was exciting too. You know, right out of the gate, we had a lot of great clients, and things took off for us. Uh, in 96, I left the two partners, you know, great success, just took three of my clients, which again, one was Tops, mm-hmm. one, was, one was Laramie, um, and the other was Fleer, in, you know, trading card company in Mount yep. and started out on my own, uh, wanting to keep it small, but um, word got out, I guess, and we did pretty good work. So we we really grew. Right, right. That's awesome. That's great. And it sounded like the whole Macintosh piece of it gave you one aspect to your business that a lot of other of your competitors out there probably did not have at that point. Yeah, we, we were early. That was a big part of it. Um, a lot of people didn't see what was coming. Mm-hmm. But the other thing that goes back to the point I was making earlier, being not necessarily in the right place at the right time, but with the right people and knowing the people that I met along the way is what gave us that advantage. You know, if, if Dick Gray, who was the CEO of Tyco Toys, didn't trust us and say, yeah, well, we'll go spend this at that time ridiculous amount of money because I believe that you know what you're doing. Um, we ended up saving the company a ton of money. Um, but without him, it wouldn't have happened. Right. Uh, and without my boss at the time, Renee Sweeney, and, you know, my partner, Chris Metzger, Again, it's just these connections and the people that mattered. So it goes to the whole networking piece that plays back way back into your working multiple jobs back in the day. Exactly. Treat people fairly. Be nice to people because it's all going to come around. Mm-hmm. It's just one big cycle. So, you know, now I'm 52 and I know a ton of people. And fortunately, most of them I think highly of and I'd like to believe uh, vice versa. And I have people I can lean on. If I need something or somebody needs something that I, you know, comes to my attention, I'm an introduction away from solving somebody's problem. Right. We've learned what you wanted to be when you grew up and what you actually do today. So if you could do anything differently, what would you do? That's a great question. I actually ask myself that almost every day still. <laughs> <laughs> it's It's been a very interesting ride. Uh um, you know, again, at my age, I still look and I think most people who are really successful haven't hit their success until about this age or the next two decades. Mm-hmm. And uh, what will that look like? Um, and I'll be honest with you, part of it is just the good fortune of we don't know. Every day I come in, it could. we got a call yesterday. 
Um, it's a new client introduced to us by uh, a, a longtime client, and it's a game changer for us. If, mm. if this is a category we haven't worked in, it's a product that is awesome and is going to blow people's minds. I wouldn't have known it was coming two days before. Right. Um, but that's part of the excitement. You know, and right now, I mean, we're working with one of the biggest healthcare systems in the world doing things like, you know, apps to help kids in the hospital um, with their experience and making it better. At the same time, you know, we're working on a new product for your company, uh, you know, serendipitously, but it's, a, you know, a candy product. And right. For, that's equally exciting. And we're working on toys. It's a very interesting day. <laughs> <laughs> You're always working on something different and uh, yeah. keeps you excited and keeps it fresh, right? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, again, we've got some incredible people that we work with, and that's a big part of it. Right, right. No, that's great. Well, let's make the assumption that someone in our audience wants to do what you do to become a designer. What advice would you give them? Is there a typical career path? I would say there's... Um, a, there's not a direct path. There's literally tons of directions you can go in. And and in fairness, like I, I believe that creative careers of any form and creative studies are probably the most important for our time. Mm-hmm. Most of the things that I'm doing now didn't exist uh, when I was a kid. You know, um, even what I studied in college and the ways that we were to approach what we did have since evolved completely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, most of the careers that anybody, you know, my own kids, I tell them that as well. You know, my kids are, Emma, my oldest is 21. Um, She's at Emerson studying writing and she's a phenomenal writer. uh, Anna, my second daughter, she's uh, rowing on Temple's rowing team, Temple University. She's not quite sure what she wants to do. She thought she wanted to be a teacher. But now that she's in school, she sees what we were saying, which is, don't make up your mind yet. Right. Just look around, you know, soak up, try and figure out what you want to do. I think, you know, my youngest two, one in high school and, and one in middle school, the pressure is not there yet. But it, there is a great deal of pressure, and I think that's a shame. I think, you know, one of the most important things is meeting as many people as you can having your parents help you, uh, the adults around you, to, you know, interview or discuss what people do. And, you know, people say follow your passion, uh, and a lot of people suggest that that's not necessarily the right thing. Maybe maybe your passion should be your hobby mm-hmm. and not necessarily your career. I, I, I just think that your passion and interest uh, is, is, is the key, and where that takes you ends up being the path. You know, in your right. case, you know, I'm a sales guy as much as I am a designer. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I have to tell the story of why we did what we did or what why we're going to do what we're going to do. Um, get consensus, have people believe in us and give us, you know, at times large sums of money on a risk that we know what we're talking about. That's a sales position. You learn that only one way, and I know you know that. Nobody can teach you how to be a good salesperson. Mm-hmm. Um, so, again, you know, I think with kids, you know, at least there's a lot of resources. What you're doing, that this is exactly the type of thing that's missing. Um, you know, there's tons of resources out there, but it's not 
easy to find and it's not people's personal stories. Mm -hmm. I know a ton of designers. I don't think any of them are quite like me. And I know for a fact that I'm not like most of them because we've all done different things and we've all had different experiences and we all have different interests. But the path is the same in the sense that we're, you know, deemed designers. You know, you're curating content. You're, you're finding people of interest to you, and you know they'll be of interest to others, and putting it out there in a way that people can find it, learn from it. I think it's great. Oh, good. I appreciate that. Yeah, you know, I feel like everybody is an untapped resource. Like, you're a resource to your kids, yes, yeah. but you could be a resource to so many more just by sharing how you got to where you're, you are today. So I'm exactly. I'm glad to hear that. I just think... You know, if I had 10 designers, as I mentioned before, I think there'd be 10 great career journeys to listen to for someone who might want to be a designer. You know, they could learn Absolutely. so much from a different, different career journey. So, well, that's awesome. Well, are there any current projects you're working on that you would like to share? Yes, I'm trying to think of which ones I can share. That's what? one of the interesting things is we, we, we work on so many projects, a lot of them frankly, we may not see the light of day because they go through stages of development. Um, you know, like an innovation project that we're working on currently will appear in some form. Um, the one that we're working on that I can speak to, because we're, we're wrapping it up, I had alluded to the healthcare system. Mm-hmm. So even though, you know, I started out in brand, brand design and packaging and our business, you know, was focused there, uh, as things grew, you know, the web came along. Well, somebody had to figure out how to create websites. And, you know, a client would say, I'm hearing that we need a website. So we as an agency and a partner, that's our role. So mm-hmm. we learned how to create websites. We learned how to create games online. We learned how to create apps. Um, and right now we're developing our probably fourth app for uh, a healthcare client. Um, it's actually Atrium, uh, oh, which yeah. was f- formerly known as Carolina Healthcare System. They are one of the biggest. They're actually the biggest healthcare system in the country, um, just under the size of the VA. They're doing amazing things. They've got you know uh, a, a lot of um, donors that that. Uh, donate money and they do very innovative things with, with within their system. In, in our case, we're developing an app right now that'll help kids who are going to Levine Children's Hospital, which is a phenomenal uh, facility within this huge healthcare system. And it helps, it's going to help the parents and the kids navigate that system and make it more approachable. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can imagine if, if your child is ill, when you go into the hospital, you're already riddled with lots of questions, concerns, uh, you know, anxiety, and the kids are, your kids are too, we can give them a tool that makes some of that go away. It, it answers questions. It provides them uh, navigational tools, checklists, games. Yeah, we've done a number of apps with, uh, you know, Carolina Healthcare System, now Atrium, and they're fun. Yeah, that's really interesting because the one I was going to give a shout out on is the my company is the Ring Pop Gummy Gems, which are hitting stores now. So we can definitely talk about that. So that's you go from an app that's used, you know, by a user on their phone to an actual 
product, you know, that has the graphic design on the outside that is really amazing and great. So that's uh, like a 180, you know, two different, totally different products. Two different ends of the spectrum. Same audience, what's interesting there. Um, but two different parts of our lives, right? Right. Yeah, and I, those projects, the tops, we've, we've been fortunate to work with you folks for so long. And, you know, with that, with that um, Ring Pop has just become such an awesome brand. Within it, all the different uh, product forms, you know, Juicy Drop Pop is one of the favorites with our group because we've we worked with that from the onset and have evolved it over time to all the different forms it's taken. And uh, and it's, you know, it's a stage of life product now. You know, mm-hmm. Bazooka. You know, Bazooka was as well. Right, yeah. Well, as with most journeys, success largely depends on reliable transportation. And you mentioned you were a gearhead, and I'm a huge car enthusiast. So could you tell us what was your first car? You will like this answer. Awesome. It, it was a Chevy Nova. Okay, well, that depends on the year. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Well, it was a 74. Okay, that's Chevy a good year. It was, it was a big car, had a big engine, had a big V8 in it. Uh, was it a 350, it, 307? It was a, it was a 307. Okay. I wish, I wish it was a 350, but I'm alive to tell you the story probably because it was a 307. <laughs> was it lime uh, green by chance? No, I wish it was. And I'm sorry to say it was actually like a very cool but dark brown. And it was just metallic, and I bought it that way. And I always thought I was going to paint it, but I never quite had the money. And every time I wanted to, I'd get close, there was something else I wanted to do to it um, instead of paint it. It's not often I hear, I wish my car was lime green. <laughs> right. Uh, I, if you didn't know, our logo is, uh, and our brand identity is primarily bright green, the lime green you're talking about. Well, yeah. One of my favorite colors. (laughs) Well, and then the Nova, it's a classic color. You know, that's, and when I think of a Nova, I always think of lime green, you know, like the kind of like the light metallic kind of lime green, you know, so. Yes. Well, it's funny because my son, who's now 14, is totally into cars. And in fact, the car show is coming up. It's always around my birthday in Philadelphia. Uh, And we've made that uh, kind of a ritual. Um, The last car that I had that was cool because I had this window of opportunity. Yeah, you got four kids, uh, so I, I have four kids now, right? So the, it's a it's more of a commitment of shuttling children safely. So we did, you know, we had to adopt the minivan, and you know, since the SUV. Mm-hmm. Um, and a, but I had an Audi TT. Oh, those are great. That was a, such a. It was the year that it came out, and I had a basically a year or two window of time. In the, you know, my wife gave me permission because of the timing of the kids. And uh, that would be the car that I would drive to clients. So at least once a week, I was driving to our office in New York. At least once a week, I'd be driving out to a client that you might know, Connects, which is not oh, far, yeah. about yep. a half hour from here. And it was great because I didn't care where people asked me to drive. I would drive to Hasbro in right. Providence, Rhode Island, just to be in the car. Yeah. And that was right. that's a great car for a designer. I mean, that's such an iconic, it's a beautifully design. designed yeah. car. It is every 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 bit of it. But I look like a clown. I'm six four, and everybody <laughs> would. I get out of that car, and how did you fit in that? That's the beauty of it. My my <laughs> wife had a '74 Super Beetle convertible. Oh, those are um, nice. Yeah. From the time we started dating until, again, back to the uh, point we made earlier, that was the trade-off. She had to get rid of that um, 
and then gave me the uh, the go ahead to do the TT. So, what's your dream car? Right now, like yeah. If I had, I'm in love with the Tesla cars. I, I really am. I think that they're cool, but I'm still too retro. And there's a bunch of cars in my past. I watch, we watch, uh, you know, Jerry Seinfeld's comedians and cars. Oh yeah, and the cars getting coffee. Yep. I, I can't. This is part of my problem. I can't give you a direct answer. I'm that way, too. Cars guys can't. Too many. Well, I'm going to help you out here. So one great perk to some jobs is a company car. So if I had all the money in the world, I'd love to get you a cool company car that aligns with your job. And so I I originally thought, all right, am I going to go Art Deco design? What what are the most classic, iconic design cars in the world? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it turns out I I, I finalized the most beautiful car as stated by Enzo Ferrari back in the 60s. It is a 1965 Jaguar E-Type. Oh, beautiful car. Beautiful. Yeah, that's like the most iconic. And and for you, it would be the Series 1 because I had the covered headlights, which is really cool. Nice, but, yeah. But not the early Series 1. It's funny. They're so specific. There's technically not a Series 1. It's just what the Jaguar folks call it because the very first – I don't know, year and a half, two years. It had a smaller engine, 3.8 a liter. It had a flat floor, and it had the latches for the hood on the outside. And those are the ones that are like $300,000 now because of those quirks. Right. What's, fu- what's funny is the they no longer had the flat floor because there wasn't enough legroom. So they, they <laughs> recessed it where it's more drivable, and they got a bigger engine, a 4.2 liter. So the better cars are actually worth less. <laughs> I mean, which doesn't make any sense. So it would be a, a 4.2 liter with the... The not flat floor because you know you're six four. I didn't know that at the time, but you need the right, leg room. Well, I could always punch them out and make it like a Fred Flintstone car. No, oh, you could do well. You know what? You find some. They're so rusted out. They are Fred Flintstone cars. So, <laughs> right. if I had all the money in the world, that's the car I would get you, and I would send you a picture of it once I post this podcast. So, well, thank Please you so do. much. Yeah, thank you so much for taking us on your journey. What's the best way our listeners can learn more about you and your company? Um, if you'd like, please visit the. Uh goodwinddesigngroup.com. Um, if you Google uh, Goodwin Design Group and my name, Bill Goodwin, a little bit of Google history there, some articles and stuff, I'm sure, my LinkedIn. And again, to your point, contact me. If I can be of any help to you, believe me, I will. And I welcome you to do that. That's a great way to end this call. So thank you so much for taking on your career journey today, Bill. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. And um, again, I really love what you're doing, Greg. Thank you for listening to Learn From Others, where we help others succeed by sharing success. Where will our next adventure take us? Subscribe to find out. If you know of someone who has a cool career story or occupation, contact Greg through Instagram at LFO. That's G-R-E-G-S-T-A-N-L-E-Y-L-F-O. And we will see you soon as we learn from others together.